we squared our shoulders back and raised our swords to fight. For the Bible is our weapon and the Spirit is our shield. The church needs more members to be workers in the field. Step into the water, way down a little bit deeper.
was worth loving you for the kindness you've shown. Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I've needed you so, help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hands. Try me, Lord. If you think there's a way, I can try to taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through my sin on my way back to you. Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it so sound that good. Good morning. <laughs> it is good to be with you here in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, this morning I want to talk to you and the title of this message is a wake up call. And uh, <laughs> the title of this message hit me Friday morning. And what I mean by that, it literally hit me. Uh, Friday morning as I was getting ready to wake up and head to Little Rock, uh, I hit snooze on the alarm a few times. And uh, I don't know, men in here, if you have this problem, but uh, about, you know, uh, the third or fourth time I hit snooze, I felt Laura rolling over in the bed, and she gave me one of them good mule kicks, you know. <laughs> There's a title to my message right there, a wake-up call. Um no, this uh, this title, a wake up call. We can, you know, if we go stay in a hotel or something like that, we get a call in the morning to wake us up. But also, uh, we see people who've been through extreme circumstances in their life, and they maybe they have a drug addiction, maybe they have something like that, and we see them repeating those actions and actions and actions until one day they get a wake up call. And it seems like in those wake-up call, in those moments, is when they completely change their lives. That's what Paul was trying to give to the Galatians here in chapter 4. I want to read with you just a couple of verses here to start off. 
In Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse uh, 8, let me get my notes out. It says, How be it then, when you knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods? But when after that ye had known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings, dear Lord. Dear Lord, help us here today have a wake-up call. A wake-up call from you to see that you... You love us so much, so much that you gave your son to die on the cross for us. Dear Lord, help us to to live our lives in light of that love we have for you and what you did on the cross. Just thank you so much for sending your son. Forgive us all our sins. In your name I pray. Amen. If we go back to the beginning of this chapter in verses of 1 through 7, We'll, we'll get a different kind of scenario. And what I want to do is I want to break this down uh, very simply in verses 1 through 3. It says, Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until time appointed of the Father. Even so we... When we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of this world. First off, Paul takes off in verses 1 through 3, and he, he tells that there's this similarity between servants and sons. Uh, and, or I'm sorry, servants and children. But then he, he's what he's really doing is he's trying to show the difference between what a child, what children are and what sons are. I want to go back to last week, and if you remember, we talked about one big family last week, and and we ended in these verses, Galatians three twenty eight and twenty nine. It says, "There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. Therefore, ye are all one." In Christ, and if you be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Okay, we could stop the sentence there, but Paul goes further and he says, Ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He throws on this extra phrase, and the reason he throws on this extra phrase is because in chapter 4 he's going to begin to tell us there's a difference between just being a part of the family and being a son in the family. And that, that's what he's trying to describe here in verses 1 through 3. In Roman society, where, uh, the children were given over to being raised by slaves. Their parents, they, they did the governing of the Roman society and they did all this, but the children were handed over to be raised by slaves. And uh, they played with the slave kids. They lived where the slave kids lived. They were disciplined by the slaves. Their whole life was in that slave culture until they came to an age where the father thought that his son was old enough to make his own decisions and to be an heir. This is the time that, that Paul is talking about. Uh, they, would, they would throw this huge party. And, and we see this 
if you go back and look at the prodigal son and you see that uh, what happened, you remember when the son came home, his his father put a toga on him or a robe, uh, and he also put a ring on his finger. Uh, this was a Roman party that they they called the toga something. I'm not going to try to say it, but it was this coming of age celebration. And at that coming of age celebration, even at um, the prodigal son, you see that the son was given this ring also. And that, that ring meant, hey, you have the father's authority. You have everything connected to the father in that signet ring. And what Paul is describing here is he's saying that, listen, you're not only children into the family. But your sons, and you have full power, full authority, full reign in the Father's house, and, and, and just as Christ does. And we're going to talk about heirs with Christ here in a minute, but one of the things I wanted to cover is elements of the world. We see this in verse uh, 3, elements of the world refers to the law. Like I've said several times throughout this series, the law was given to us here on this earth, as a moral standard for men to live. So it was the elements of this world. It was it, Paul was saying, you once were in bondage under the law. You once were just like the slaves, and you, even though you were children, you were slaves. Because, But now, in Christ, not only are you children, but you're sons, heirs with Christ. Look at verse 4 through 7. It says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more servants, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ." We are heirs through Christ. The conflict here is between children and sons. Well, I'm sorry, the conflict here is not between children and sons, it's between sons and slaves. We're no longer slaves to to the law, we are free in Christ. Galatians were trying to get to heaven, trying to get to God through their works. They were wanting to gain a place in the family by being servants. If the family, in the family, we are all sons. Paul is telling the Galatians we are more than just mere servants. We are more than just going to God and Him demanding us to do things. One author said it this way, We enter into God's family by regeneration, by being born again. But we enjoy God's family by the adoption. We enjoy being in God's family because of the adoption. As far as many believers' position is concerned, he is an adult son who can draw upon the father's wealth and who can exercise all the wonderful privileges of sonship. And this goes back, I want to take this back just a little bit further, and Brother Kenneth, you'll have to forgive me. Let's go back to Galatians 3 and verse uh, 28. I I think we can gain something here. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. 
In, in, in society, especially in this day and time, think about that last one, male or female. Females were looked at as, as a possession. They were looked at as something that didn't have any th- authority. Right? They, 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 were just, they were just these people that men, they were property of men, so to speak. And, and they, females had no authority, no uh, voice, so to speak. But listen at this. What does it say? Neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ. You know what? As we enter into a relationship with Christ, even the females of this day had authority of sonship. That's amazing. Even even in this society, Paul is telling them, listen, even your females, even your slaves, bond or free, even the Greeks, because there's Jew and Greeks there, all of us have this authority with Christ because we are made sons. We're not just mere children. We are sons of God. And we can cry out through the Holy Spirit in us, Abba, Father. That word Abba, Father, literally means Papa, Daddy. When we go before the Father, it's not this, Hello, Father. It's more like, Daddy, Daddy, it's you again, right? That's the relationship we have with the Father through through this adoption of sons. We can look at the Father, have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. But I want to go a step further. Look at this in verses 8 through 20. We're going to read just a few verses and talk about it. Because Paul had a distinct burden on his mind as he writes this. It says, How be it then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. You can see in our Bibles that little lowercase g and its plural gods. This is not talking about the one true God. If you know anything about uh, Greek mythology, you know that these people in Galatians, they, they, before they knew God, the one true God, they did service to many gods. Now, I want to give you a little example of that. Paul here is looking back at their historical standing before they came to know Christ. And let's look at a for instance. Imagine you were going on a long trip in, in a Greek society and you were raised this way. You were going on a long trip traveling by sea. You would go over to the temple of Poseidon. And you will worship Him and do service unto Him because He was the Greek God over the seas. And you would try to find your favor with this God through your worship and through your surface so that your traveling would be smooth and there would be calm seas. But there's bondage in that. Think about this. The Greeks not only had a God for the seas, they had a God for the sunshine, for the rain, for, for everything in their lives. They had a God. And each and every day was another, I've got to find favor. I've got to go before this God and this God and this God. And can you imagine how exhausting that must be? Right? That is just totally exhausting because each and every day I'm going to another aspect of my life trying to find a favor with this God so that that aspect in my life 
will go smoothly. Paul reminds them of that bondage and that exhaustion that comes with that type of worship. And then look at verses 9 and 10. It says, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. Paul's telling them, Listen, you're no better than the pagans worshiping in the Jewish law. Because you're observing these days and months and times and years and all the feasts and the festivals and everything that's going on here just to find favor with God. That's exhausting, my friends. And I want to tell you, there's people here today that do the same thing. And you say, whoa, 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 ain't nobody cutting a calf's throat and laying him on the altar. That's not what I'm talking about. Many of us today try so hard to be good so our life will work out. We, we go in and, and we, we do service for our friends because we want our friends to like us, to find favor with us. We, we, do, we talk about Scripture in public. And listen, there's nothing wrong with talking about Scripture, but what's your motive? So that people think you're godly or to lead people to Christ? And we do all these things in our life to make us look good. But we're no better than the pagan worshipers. Do you see that? Because God has found favor in us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and in Him alone. The Galatian, the Galatia converts were not going to find favor with God by fulfilling the customs of the law. The bondage they had faced in pagan worship was no different than the the Jewish worship. Listen, we need to realize that when we accepted Jesus Christ, we became free. We became free and we have liberty in Christ. And that's where we need to live our lives, in that uh, freedom. Lead them. Liberty, freedom. Yeah, lead them. All right. What Paul tells them is go back to your freedom. Look at verse 11 through 15 here. It says, I am afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. You know how though infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first, and my temptation which I was in my flesh ye despised not nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you speak of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked your own eyes out and have given them to me. Paul reminds them of the freedom they once had. First of all, Paul tells them, be as I am. Think about Paul and his life, right? He he was Jew of Jews, right? He, He was going about his life, even up until his conversion, he was pursuing the fulfillment of the law. And what I mean by that is he thought that all Christians were preaching blasphemy, and we know in the law, blasphemy deserved death. 
So he was going about and he was trying to kill all these Christians because he wanted blasphemy to be stopped. And along that journey, Christ came to him and there was a miraculous conversion there. And Paul never again went back to that. That's what Paul's telling them, be as I am. I came out of the law, I came, I came away from that, and I'm living in the freedom of Christ. When he went to the Galatians, he had an infirmity, and we get a glimpse at what that infirmity might be. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what he, what he says is, I came to you, and, and I had this infirmity, and we'll just say it was his eyes for now, okay? But we don't really know exactly what it is. And he said, when I came to you, it wasn't because I was really planning on coming to you. I had to come to you. Uh, m- most scholars think there was some doctors there and, and Paul was coming to seek their medical uh, advice or, or, or prescription or whatever you want to say. And, and so Paul goes to them. He said, this is how I ministered. I came to you with an infirmity and I preached the gospel. Which reminds us that a lot of times the problems we face in life are very much possibilities. Right? Because Paul had a problem, it became a possibility. Right? To start a church here in Galatia. But going further, Paul says, I came unto you and you received me like I was an angel of God, like Christ Himself. And you would have plucked out your own eyes for me if it was possible. That gives us a hint at what his injury might be. It may have been his eyes. And what he's telling them is there was a joy, there was a love in your presence at one time. When I was with you, man, you, you had it. You had this love and this joy about you. Where is it gone? But Paul, Living free from the law, he, he also was in this pursuit of love and, and that love was contagious. It shifted over to the Galatians. And, and let me, let's look at the, what I call the brunt of his burden in verses 16 through 20. Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you. That ye might affect them. But it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing. And not only when I am present with you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again unto Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice for I stand in doubt of you. Paul spoke. Of how he come, how he came to them, and that his love affected them. But he also spoke of how these Judaizers came to them with zeal, and and, and it wasn't a good zeal. And they wanted to look good. These Judaizers came to them wanting to look good. They thought if we can get all these followers from the Gentiles to come with us, man, we can stand before our Jewish brethren and be high and mighty. Paul says that's not a good zeal, but there is a good zeal. And really that zeal that you had to show love towards me when I was with you, that's the zeal you need to work on. And he, and he tells them, not only when I'm with you, 
but when I'm not with you too. Paul said he, he pains over these people and he, he likens it to childbirth. The people that he loves so dearly count him as an enemy now. In verse 16, that's what he asks. Am I an enemy now? He said he would be in pain until they started acting like Christ. To be, till Christ be formed in you is what he says. Paul even says and goes as far as this to say, I'm not even sure about who you are anymore. Verse 20. This was their wake up call. This was their, you've been out of bondage before. Why aren't you in it now? Why aren't aren't you living in the freedom that Christ offers now? Then Paul goes even further and he talks about this Old Testament analogy. Verse 21 it says, For it is written, I'm sorry, Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? And what Paul does here is he says, since you are so passionate about fulfilling the law, let's go back and read from the law. And he gives this Old Testament story in verse 22. He says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons of two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise, for which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar in Mount Sinai in Arabia, sorry, and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So Paul begins by, by telling of these two women, and we, we know them to be uh, connected to Abraham. And, and one of them's Abraham's wife, and one of them's Abraham's wife's handmaid, Hagar and Sarah. And there was there was two children born, and one was born by Agar, and this woman was out of the natural scheme of things, okay? Uh, what happened is Sarah, in her old age, she couldn't have a child, so she told Abraham, go have a child with my handmaid, and that was not God's plan. And then Sarah, finally trusting God, and even later in her old age, had a son named Isaac. And this son represented the promise that God had spoken to Abraham. And these two sons, if you remember, what happened is, is whenever they had a feast for Isaac, kind of a coming of age kind of feast, uh, whenever they had this feast, they saw Ishmael, the son of Hagar, picking on Isaac or something of that sort. And Sarah got really mad. She went to Abraham about it. And Abraham went to God about it, which is what we should all do. We should all go to God with our problems. But anyway, Abraham went to God with it. And God said, cast out the handmaid. 
and her son. You know, just set them free, let them go, get them out of here. And you say, well, that that sounds really mean. And here's here's the point with that. Ishmael, Hagar were never in the trajectory of salvation. I can't say the word. They were never in the plan of salvation. God had promised that through Sarah's seed, there would be salvation to come. And they were never in God's plan. And let me tell you something, when we live outside of God's plan, people get hurt. Right? And, and so, God tells Abraham, cast them out. You know, they'll have a big nation with them and everything, but they're not in the plan of salvation. Now, let's, let's continue to read in verse 27 31, through 31. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuteth him that was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture, cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the sons of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the sons of the free woman. Then Paul wraps it up. He says, so then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. What Paul's saying here is he's saying, just like the two women and the sons... Abraham had to get rid of uh, Hagar and Ishmael. We need to get rid and put out the law and doing the customs of the law because, listen, we live in the freedom of Christ. We are no longer in bondage to that. We need to step up and live as Christ has set us free. You know, this past week, or actually two weeks ago, was watching TV and there was this woman on there. Uh, they came to help her out in her life. I'll say that. And this woman, at the very beginning, I remember her saying, "I'm good. I deserve this." I thought to myself, "Yeah, well, maybe she does." Halfway through the show, these professionals were trying to help this woman, trying to help her in her mental breakdown. And she lied to him. And I thought to myself in that moment, I thought, how many people in this world are striving to be good because they think they deserve heaven? That's exhausting. And guess what? You will fall short. Nobody's perfect. And we shouldn't live our lives that way, trying to be perfect. We, we should realize we can't be perfect and strive to love people and love God the way He tells us to. That's the freedom we live in. We live in this freedom that says you don't have to, to be perfect all the time. We can stop fooling ourselves, justifying to ourselves that we are good. We need to lay it at the feet of Jesus. 
and start serving Him out of love rather than obligation. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Trey, I don't even... This doesn't even make any sense. I've never even placed my faith in Christ. I don't know of the freedom you speak of. This morning would be a great morning to take care of that. You know, I I think here in a minute we're going to have a baptism. And, you know, Boyd is going to be baptized and that's awesome. Baptism ought to be a service we do. Not out of obligation, but out of our love for Christ. I want to be identified with Christ because He died on the cross. He was buried in the grave and He rose from the grave. And I know that the gospel is sufficient for me. It's not an obligation. It's a service of love. As we stand, the song ministry gets ready this morning. I want to ask you, are you exhausted trying to be good? There's freedom in Christ from that. Just as there was freedom for the Galatians, there's freedom for you.